0: Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line. I'm Mike Riley, your host, and this podcast is not only about you being able to find your finish line at a race or an event, but also in life. We have to find our finish line every day of the week, every month of the year. And when we do, we are so happy we got there. So I have guests on that have jumped over all kinds of hurdles. They've gone through tough times, good times. They've gone through times where they've pushed themselves to that finish line and their gratification hopefully can teach you how to do the very same. Before I get started with my guest, who I'm very honored to have, Pillar Micronutrition Company. I've told you before, I've been introduced to Pillar. I was introduced to it at Ironman Australia last December. They gave me some and said, Mike, why don't you take this before you go to bed? It'll help you recover and it'll help you sleep better. Well, I didn't do it. I was a little skeptical about it because I was on the road and I didn't really want to take a new product. I got home and I started taking it about 30, 40 minutes before I went to bed. I've been getting the most amazing sleep I've ever had. Solid, long, good sleep waking up refreshed after hard workouts, the recovery's there. And the product is Pillar Triple Magnesium. It is quite incredible. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think I'd like it because, you know, I've seen so many products come and go, but this one's really working for me. And you can buy it at thefeed.com. They even gave me a code that you can receive a 15% discount. That code is Mike, M-I-K-E, 23. The number is two, three. 23. Mike 23 for 15% off. Pillar Nutrition, triple magnesium. Try it. Give it a try. See, what, see how it does for you. My guest today is one of the greatest athletes that this sport has ever seen. Two-time ITU world champion. Matter of fact, she's in the ITU Hall of Fame. She's in the Australia Ironman Hall of Fame. She's a member of the Order of Australia. That's why you'll see the AM after her name. 1996, she was the first XTERRA world champion. 2000, silver medalist at the Sydney Olympics, the very first time we had triathlon. 2005, a second in Kona. 2006, number one, the world champion at the Ironman. 2016, gold medalist, Paralympian, helping guide Katie Kelly to that finish line in Rio. Makili Jones, how are you? And welcome to Find Your Finish Line.
1: Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for that awesome introduction. You know, it's always funny because like people are like, Makili. what do you want to like list as your like most notable accomplishments? And I'm like, all of them? <laughs> <laughs> don't, be, don't be ripping me off by like saying, you know, I've only done this, this, and this, because like I earned every single one of those titles, but no kidding aside you know I've been very very blessed I mean the sport of triathlon just keeps giving back and giving back and giving back and I sit here and I go oh my goodness I can't believe how much I've done and how the fact that I still love to race because I mean that's the hardest thing like where do I find that passion each year to keep like wanting to push myself
0: yeah, and you know it's interesting when you made the comment about it keeps giving back. McKeely. it keeps giving back to you because you keep giving to the sport, which I think is one of the most admirable things a ex-professional or even an ex-age grouper not racing anymore can do for the sport. But I always ask my guests a, a first question right off the bat. Sometimes I want to catch them, and you'll see why when I ask you the question. McKeely. did you get a workout in today?
1: Of course, I did.
0: <laughs> Sometimes I'll go. Oh no, I, I didn't get one in yet. So, what'd you do today?
1: Yeah, I got two in. I did a, a run interval session, and then I also did some functional strength.
0: Good for you. I love it. Well, let's and start by
1: what my horse.
0: Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that. I, I tell you what, you is it because you have that personality, and you were brought up to where. You just always wanted to keep doing something almost every minute of the day.
1: Sometimes I, uh, I, I think I'm cursed. More than uh, no, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like you know, it's like I like to keep moving. I like to keep busy. Yeah, every now and again, I'm like, you know, I just want to go hang out at the beach for like a week. And I go, that would never happen because I get bored.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, you'd be you'd be laying there for like an hour or two and go, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs>
1: I don't even think start lost an hour.
0: Yeah. Your career, early on, when you were a youngster, growing up with your twin sister, Gabby, in, in Australia, what what sports did you first get into?
1: So I grew up horse riding. I could ride a horse before I could walk. Um, and then I definitely did a little bit of running. Having a, a twin sister, I was only a tad competitive
0: Yeah,
1: she will tell you the the three times that she's beaten me. She's very proud of that. Uh, But yeah, I think, you know, uh, my parents divorced fairly young and my mom like really instilled in us that, you know, you work hard, you get results and definitely growing up with the horses and having to take care of that. And yeah, like it just sort of like started doing a little bit more running. And it was my high school teacher, John White, who Saw something in me, and he would say, as we're running around these, the grass field every single week, "Will you remember me when you're famous?" And you know, used to giggle and laugh. But he also uh, introduced me to triathlon. So it was from his introduction, from his coaching style with running. It was like short and sweet, and then transferring over, he suggested I do a triathlon. And one of the best things he always used to do is right before the swim, he'd hand me a quote. And I'd read it. He was like a football guy, a rugby league guy. So Mm -hmm. he was like all about quotes and, you know, you got to fire up the team. So I'd get a quote and literally I'd float it down the river or the stream right before the race. It was sort of this tradition that we had. So, yeah, I definitely have a run background. My sport identification actually was race walking, even though, you know, I was state champion at cross country, state champion at the 3000 and also race walking.
0: So how, how old were you at that first try?
1: 18. I was 18 when I did my first triathlon. So yeah, how'd you do? Was, uh, what's my, your, triathlon, my triathlon the, birth birthday is actually January 26, So Australia day, 1988.
0: Wow. I love that. What's, what's your memory from that race? The one that you hold with you.
1: You know, my twin sister used to joke with me that I was going to get eaten by the sharks because it was in Sydney Harbour, which is, you know, it's so awesome that my first race was in Sydney Harbour. I got to do the Olympics in Sydney Harbour and, you know, there was a joke around the Olympics that, you know, there were sharks in the harbour and a lot of people were like scared about sharks. And, you know, I always have this theory that, you know what, as long as there's one other person, I'm pretty good in terms, that's a 50-50 risk if I go and swim with a shark and I've never been bitten by a shark, only a seal. So I'm not afraid of sharks because I haven't been bitten by one yet.
0: Well, that, that's some incredible motivation, but you know, throughout your career, you have always been motivated to obviously do your best, come out on top. Where do you, where do you think that fire, why does that fire reside inside McKeeley Jones to do, to, to be the best?
1: I, for some reason, I always like fought against uh, adversity. I think you know, growing up in a household where you know,, mm-hmm. m- we only had one parent, uh being a twin, very competitive, uh, and then you know, just these little things that would happen in my life, you know my one of my school teachers basically said, "Well, why are you even bothering with sport? You're just gonna get a boyfriend and give up?" And I'm like, <sighs> no." That boy's going to be following me around, not the other way around. And then, you know, even before the Olympics, there was an article that was written that I wasn't Olympic medal caliber material. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's basically like when I go through my career, when I like, even when I did Ironman, you know, there was a lot of short course athletes who hadn't been successful at Ironman. And, you know, I'm like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. So it's like, I think for some reason that just was instilled with me. If somebody said I couldn't do something, then, you know, I may not have been the most talented athlete, but I definitely think I worked harder, not longer, just smarter. I think that's where my high school running coach like instilled in me that like you don't have to do a huge amount of training. You just have to do the smart training.
0: Well, you think some of the negativity came out because of, uh, maybe your taller stature of 5'10", 5'11", than someone who's a little shorter or compact and quicker turn over their legs. You think it came from well,
1: that? I, uh, yeah, but it's also like being a twin, right? Straight away you're different. And uh, both Gabby and I struggled with bullying in high school uh, and primary school because, you know, we hmm. were best friends. We were very different. You know, we hung out together and you know, a lot of people looking in, you know, we were successful at sports, we're athletic, you know, looking into that, you know, we definitely took quite a beating in terms of, uh, you know, how people responded to us. And like, I think Gabby, I think, was more affected by the bullying than I was, I sort of, I think, for some reason, internalized it in like, you know, I'm going to turn it around, where I think, you know, still to this day, she definitely, I feel like, she hasn't quite worked out how to turn that situation around. And, you know, I think I just use sport to really get over the fact that, you know, that was a hard time in both our lives, but at least we sort of were together in that. But, you know, you're different when you're a twin, you're different from day one.
0: Well, that's interesting. You bring that up because uh, in the world today, I mean, on the bullying side and and people saying things to to younger people, older people saying things to younger people that they don't think affect them. Uh, Do you think sport is one of the best ways out of that to try to create a stronger you?
1: You know, I think it's all personal to each person, like how you can deal with those situations. But I know for me, I think sport really provided me with, you know, for a shy young kid uh, who was like, like a twin, so I had a best friend. I had a training partner, and you know, I don't know for some reason it's like I sort of turned around that experience, not even knowing that I turned it around, and, mm-hmm. and sort of really focused in on sports. So yeah, so I can be a little scrappy <laughs> in a race. It's like you know, I'm on the start line. I can be super scrappy, just and I think that's what taught me. You know, going through that situation, you know, it's like just keep doing the best you can fight for it, work hard, and I think that's what sport taught me be, because I had to find a way to deal with, you know, growing up in that environment of being bullied at school.
0: Scrappy, I remember in San Diego here, Danskin Race, you were uh, toe-to-toe with Paul Anubi Frazier, your, your, your coach eventually – and the look on your face, and even Paulus, I've got. Oh my gosh, if these two would stop and square off, they'd start boxing. I mean, <laughs> it was just a determination ter- and scrappy look that I, that I'll never forget. Uh, you, you, uh, you explain that well because I, I've, I've seen it up close and personal. <laughs> I love it.
1: Yeah, totally so the cool, long uh,
0: <laughs> Sydney, two thousand. You know, having yeah. the pleasure of being there, and I told you before, I think I was like in row 10, and and mm-hmm. uh, in your wildest dreams, you know, when you did jump into Sydney Harbor, as you mentioned earlier, and then came in second with the silver, close behind first place, uh, but the, the roar of the crowd, it was definitely for you. Is that something that you relive at any time when maybe you're down a little bit, or you just say you know what, that was one hell of an accomplishment and, and I'm proud of it.
1: You know, it's really when people bring it up that it's it reminds you, like, you know, I was doing a race in San Diego on the weekend and mm-hmm. someone goes, oh, you're the Olympic medalist, aren't you? And, you know, it's that's when it sort of really, like, sort of gives me the chills because it's like, I'm like, yeah, holy cow, I did do that. You know, like, I never thought as growing up that I would be good enough to do the Olympics and then have the opportunity to do it in my home country like and have my friends and my family like all those people who'd helped me on the journey to actually be there physically i mean you couldn't ask for anything better and to be you know have triathlon as the first medal of sport for australia Mm -hmm. so you know i won australia's like first silver medal like and triathlon's first silver medal i mean unbelievable experience like the biggest memory I I have, it's like we were warming up and the crowd was going nuts just when we were warming up, let alone mm-hmm. when we started racing. And what what a lot of people don't know is I actually um had a brand new pair of running shoes because I have these superstitions that I always had to have a not new uniform, new run shoes, because they just feel so good, brand new. And I put I was warming up and I put my race shoes on and I'm like, oh my goodness, they don't fit. Oh, And I'm like, I ring up Gabby, my twin sister. I go, can you please bring in like blah, 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 my other pair of running shoes that I had? And she literally handed it over the uh, spectator fencing not not long before we were going to start. And I was thinking, I don't know. I mean, I would have obviously run in, the shoes were a little too small, but it was like, oh my goodness. Like I was just thinking, you know, these are the same size, the same model I've been using. I'm not putting them on until the morning of the race. I got to make sure they're like, brand spanking you. And uh, yeah, lesson learned. Don't do that.
0: Wow. I had never heard that. So I can just picture because that area was just so crowded. It's a wonder Gabby got to you with the shoes.
1: Yeah. Like I mean, don't worry. I saw her because like as soon as they announced me to go onto the start line, I looked up and I saw like my family, my mom and my dad. And it's like, Oh my goodness. She started crying and then I started crying. And I think that's I think that's what, you know, it's sort of like the Ironman finish line, right? It's so emotional and so many cr- people cry when you cross the finish line or you're mm-hmm. getting there. And the Olympics is sort of like you amplify that by like a zian. You know, there's nothing I mean, there's nothing like an Ironman finish, but then the Olympics it's just something about it because it's a little bit more towards like your home country gets so right. engaged, so involved. And that's the energy that you feel that, you know, it's it's very much like you're competing for your, your country.
0: Well, it, it's been said many times that medals won by athletes, excuse me, medals won by athletes in certain countries have actually brought the country up out of a, a depression or a tough time in the financial markets. I mean, it just lifts the spirit so high that people go out and be so positive they get things done and that's what medals do so you you definitely uh, raised the level of everyone in Australia with that silver and then um, you and know you,
1: so when you go start ahead. talking about it that's when you know it really like you go back and you go oh my goodness how special was that because <laughs> like i don't think about that i'm an olympic silver medalist every day of the year but when we talk about it, I go, oh my goodness, that like you start going, yeah, you know, Australia's first medal, triathlon's first medal. It's like my first time at the Olympic, my friends and family, and all those people who helped me get there. It's like and all the stories, like being um in the Olympic village and Kathy Freeman, who won the four hundred meters, yeah, she like congratulated me and I'm like, cool, Kathy Freeman knows who I am.
0: Because <laughs> you know,
1: triathlon is such a small little sport, you know. And then all of a sudden we're on this big world stage and, you know, you know, being, being uh, at the Olympics, people want to know who you are. So it's, well, it's
0: really you, cool. Be proud because you were instrumental in, in helping triathlon be placed on that world stage where we love it to be today and, and always. But then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but you weren't chosen for the Australian Olympic team kind of next time around. and. That kind of pushed you into, uh, you know, you're you're a tough-minded person, but it pushed you into that longer distance because of that. Tell us about that, how that all came about.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, it's probably another situation where, you know, I was basically told, you know, wasn't good enough anymore, wasn't fast enough, wasn't going to, you know, you know I didn't do everything I needed to be on the Olympic team, even though I had won on the Olympic course. so I really knew the course suited me. And it's like, you know, it was like,
0: I, I really I don't me, get that.
1: Yeah. Really like I was at the bottom of the barrel, especially when, you know, it wasn't the Federation who told me I hadn't made the team. It was somebody from the press rang me up and said, oh, Macureley, how do you feel about not making the team? And I think, The only saving grace for me was that the current world champion also didn't make the Australian team, Emma Snowsill. So, you know, it was one of those things that I still loved the sport. I didn't want to quit, but, you know, I had to move on from from that Olympic experience. And, you know, I always swore I'd never do an Ironman. It totally terrified me. It's like, you know, I was a speed demon. I'm like... I just want to go short and fast and finish. And you know, I'd been to the Ironman World Championships in Kona. I saw what people look like when they finish that race. <laughs> but you know, it's like it. You know, and you know, I had a lot to lose. You know, I had this great short course career, and right. like, as I said earlier, a lot of people hadn't been able to step up and transition to the long course, the Ironman distance racing. And you know, savvy enough to know that you know, if you're going to do it, you got to get the right team behind you and I think I was always good at having like the right team behind me so naturally having Paula Newby Fraser eight-time Ironman world champ on my team I mean she's the reason why I can say I'm an Ironman world champion because you know she knew she'd race with me she knew a little bit about me so you know having that knowledge and also knowing that I had this small window in terms of like how long I'd been doing triathlon for you know it wasn't like I was a spring chicken in terms of you know the amount of time I'd spend in sports so it was a very small window that just had to go in and get the job done and thanks to her you know I wouldn't be sitting here without her 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 support you know her uh belief in me as well but also like knowing the type of athlete I was and like realizing how she had to 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 be pacific in the training based on that I was a speed demon and not a big endurance animal.
0: Yeah, I've always heard Paula and you say that you know she wanted to turn you into a big diesel engine, and that yeah. that really that can't happen overnight so that that training regimen had to be so foreign to you, but did you was there a time all of a sudden you said, "Well oh God, okay, I'm, I, I get this. I get these seven hour rides. I get, it, it's starting to work out uh, to, to give you the yeah, confidence like, to get to Kona?
1: Yeah definitely there was like times in the training where it was like oh my goodness I'm never going to be able to do this and having the reassurance of uh, Heather Few who I train with I'm like well how do you know you can run a marathon after this and she goes you know (laughs) you just run each mile and each mile and each mile so that really helped like having knowing that other people sort of have the same insecurities and then you know all of a sudden, you know, you get the nutrition right, you get the strength right, you get the training right, and you get stronger and stronger as the hours tick over. And that's where you know some of the confidence started happening for me. It was like, oh, you know what? Now I'm like finishing stronger rather than going, oh my goodness, how am I ever going to run off the bike?
0: Yeah. It, well, 2005, you go there and you're having a great day, and you get passed by the eventual champion Natasha Badman, and you finish second. My question is, that that didn't dissuade you from coming back the next year, or did you have thoughts of going? Hey, I gave it everything I got, and and I get past, you know, towards the end, and Natasha wins the race. But you still wanted to come back the next year, didn't you?
1: Yeah, you know, I had fractured my hip at the Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon mm-hmm. uh, that summer, leading I- into that preparation. So. I really didn't do as much running as I I needed to. So getting past with like six miles left to run was as disheartening as it was. I think, you know, I always believe in destiny and that, you know, sometimes, you know, you need to to be on one path to get to the other path. So having finished second, yeah, absolutely ecstatic, right? I'm like, I just finished second at the Ironman World Championship. But, you know, I think because I finished second at Sydney, I didn't want to finish the Ironman on on second. You know, I had pre- prepared myself mm. to like try to win. That was the whole idea of doing it. So definitely had to come back the next year and, uh, and tick that off the box off my uh, to-do list for sure. And, you know, it's, it's such an amazing experience. The Ironman, it's like, it's, it's like no other. It's like the first thing you have to think about, right? Get to that finish line. Then everything after that is a bonus and, you know, I, you know, I had such a great race when I finished second. And then when I actually won, you know, there was some good and some bad, but that's part of it, right? It's the struggle that you face. No race is perfect. No race is easy. There's ups and downs. And, you know, I think just the experience of getting second, it's like, I didn't want to walk away going, I didn't leave any stone unturned. I definitely wanted to, to win that race
0: well you did and and i've told you many times that's one of my most precious moments at the finish line being with you in 2006 because the pure joy and satisfaction and look on your face is something that i don't you know that just can't be duplicated or made up i mean it was it was something yeah. that uh, everybody there talked about like oh my gosh she did this because you did you had naysayers out there and that's yeah. why it was so gratifying to have you win
1: and you know it's funny because like I I know like you know when you're sort of in the prime of your career like you know you win a lot of races and then you know as you sort of like move on you're like you know what you got to cherish every moment <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. if you win or or you or you don't like I tell people this all the all the time don't be happy with the race that you wished you had happy with the ra- be happy with the race that you had And I think that's, I learned that like, and I think that's one of the reasons why I keep racing is because I've learned that over the years that, you know what, you can get beaten on any given day, but if you can be happy with the race that you had, you know, be happy with it. Yeah. You can go back and go, you know, how can I improve? How can I get better? But, you know, ultimately that's the race you had. So happy with it and find the positives out of it because there's always positives when you when
0: you walk away from a finish line the olympics in sydney the ironman championship then you find yourself going back 2015 you connect up or just before that with Katie Kelly blind athlete and you find yourself being a guide at the rio olympics in 2016 and you've said it that that might be or is one of the top best times of your athletic career why is that
1: you know it's funny and you know i wasn't even the first choice like emma really? snowsville once again sort of emma Sn- snowsville and our sort of paths crossed you know sh- she was good for me that that she was pregnant at the time and they thought i was too tall so they didn't think we'd be able to set up the bike <laughs> um
0: oh
1: i uh, was a lot smaller than me and then i was a lot taller so it definitely worked in my favor that Emma Snowsill was pregnant, but you know that's destiny, right? It's like mm-hmm. maybe not the first choice, but that's okay. I was I was fine with that. But yeah, to be given the opportunity to help someone else live an Olympic dream, I think that's that really excited me. Like, but you know, when we first started together, I mean, she she didn't know she was going to win the gold medal. She definitely didn't <laughs> show that she had the the pedigree to win an Olympic medal. But like, you know, I think with my experience and, you know, her hard work, I mean, that's, I think where like I, I really helped, you know, I'd been in the Olympic experience before I, I knew exactly what you needed to do to get there. And to, I mean, as you said, and, and, and as I know, I think I was more excited than Katie when I crossed that finish line. Cause I was like, Oh my goodness, because as an athlete in the moment, sometimes you don't realize what you just achieved but when you have achieved so many great things and then you're in another moment with somebody else, it's like, oh, my goodness, do you realize how cool this is? Because I literally had to say to her, like, oh, we're on the blue carpet, the finish line. I'm like, slow down. Enjoy it. Enjoy this moment. And she's she was so worried somebody was going to come. I go, don't worry, I got that covered. But, <laughs> yeah, like, just, like, enjoying that moment because you don't always have time to to really – you know, enjoy the moment for one, because you're so caught up in that race mode. And it's like, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to enjoy it. (laughs) Because like, Uh, as I said, you know, the enjoyment came with like giving back and like saying to this person, hey, we can do this. I can help you get there. Let's get it done. And everyone's like thanking me. And I'm like, don't thank me. I'm like, I'm going to thank you. Thank you for like thinking of me to do this awesome thing for somebody else.
0: Yeah, that had to be just so gratifying. That shared victory, uh, no doubt, sometimes is better than that solo victory just because you shared in the yeah. pain and the training and everything else.
1: Yeah, and, and I said to her, like, right before the start of Rio, I'm like, you know what? This is going to hurt like you've never hurt before, <laughs> but it's going to be so worth it. And, wow. you know... And, And, you know, she embraced it and, you know, she had the best day she possibly could. It wasn't easy. You know, she struggled with injuries leading up to it. And I just kept saying to her, I go, look, this is our race plan. This is what we got to do. We can put it together. And I'm like, anyone can run a 5K. We can run a 5K. And I just kept, like, telling her that, that, you know, we'll get through it. it. And it wasn't an easy course. You know, it was very technical on the bike. The swim was a little technical, uh, in the fact that you couldn't really see what was happening as you came into the the approach of the beach, uh, the way the buoys were set up, but like, just like, I don't know, it was just such a an awesome, memorable, and as I yeah, as I said, one of the best experiences that I've had in my entire career.
0: That's fantastic. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Curad Performance Series, the official medical supplier of Ironman. Curad's far infrared kinesiology tape encourages faster recovery and enhanced performance. Don't let the aches and pains of everyday training and racing slow you down. Make sure you check out all the Curad products at Amazon.com, at Walmart, and Ironman.com. And let Curad help you find your finish line. We're talking with McKeeley Jones, world champion, Ironman, ex-Terra ITU, Hall of Famer, Order of Merit, and uh, from Australia. Well, McKeeley, it just hit me. You, when did you decide to move to the United States?
1: You know, I, uh, I promised my parents that I would get my degree, so I have a degree in teaching. Mm-hmm. And after that, I wanted to come to the U.S. because I wanted to come and race against the best people in the world. So... I raced the, World, the ITU World Championships here uh, in Florida, actually, mm-hmm. in 1990. And, and then from there on, here I was racing on the U.S. Circuit. And, uh, you, you know, thank goodness I did. You know, there's something about, like, the, the American scene that I, I grew up and I would, always wanted to come to America and then have that opportunity. And then, you know, I was so grateful to uh, Bob Babbitt, who got me my first sponsor, you know, it's like, and all these people just kept helping and helping. And you know, it's not easy when you're coming in from a another country. I mean, it's a little bit easier now, but back then, it go. It didn't matter that I'd won all these races. It was what yeah. I was going to do on U.S. soil. So, yeah, just grateful that I had like good support from a lot of great sponsors over the years.
0: Oh, another bold move by a bold person. That's who you are. I I love that. Let's talk about the state of the sport and how you think. Well, I'll jump right into the elephant in the room with the positive EPO test by Colin Chartier. Uh, my question to you, Makili, because it's been talked about so much, and I even posted something, and the response was quite overwhelming. But why do you think a lot of the professionals out there were really rocked by this, uh, by that happening?
1: You know, somebody who's been personally, I, I think. Um, I don't know how to put this, but, you know, it's like when you look at what happened to me at the Olympics, not that the, the medalist, who the gold medalist, you know, tested positive on that day, but later on, you know, mm-hmm. saying the same thing, oh, I never took drugs at the Olympics. I took drugs after the Olympics. So having a firsthand sort of experience with how that is, it's like, you know, the way that I looked at it was, you know what, my destiny was a silver medal. I can't change anything. Um, I'm glad that somebody, they got they caught someone because I think if you're catching people, uh, that's a good thing. That means that something is, is going all right. So I think why there was like so much controversy and like I think disbelief now is because I think a lot of triathletes are such purists, right? It's all about, you know, swimming, biking and run at the best of your ability, not an enhanced ability. And I think that's where triathlon has sort of always been. It's sort of been thought, you know, it's quite a fair sport. Um, so I, I think that's where it is. I mean, I think it's great that 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 you do get positives because if we're not getting any, then I'd be more worried about it. And I think it's a big it's I think it's a, a big push for people just to realize that you know what, sport isn't always clean and let's keep voicing our opinion that sports should be clean because we don't want to be like the other sports because we've never been like the other sports right and i just think it's that embedded uh history of triathlon that you know you have to swim bike and run well and you should work hard like that's the way i was brought up you should work hard and get the best out of yourself by by working hard being smart because you know i always used to laugh when people say But that person trained so hard. I go, we all train hard. (laughs) Okay, so the the difference shouldn't be whether that person took drugs or that person didn't. It would be like, okay, who did the smartest training? Who understood that recovery is training? Who understood that nutrition is training? Who understood that hydration is training? You know, who understood that, like, Mm -hmm. strength training you know all those components. That's what's going to really enhance your performance, and you know being mentally strong and having good strategy and 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 that sort of stuff. So when I, when I look at the sport, and you know you can you can tick down all the people who have tested positive. Um, I think because it was also an American athlete, I think that had a big amp impact as well. So why I think that? If it, why is that? I, Um, I think because, you know, here in the States, you know, we haven't really had a lot of triathletes who have tested positive where, you know, Bridget McMahon was Swiss. And then you look at some of the other athletes along the time, they're really in triathlon. There really hasn't been Mm. a lot within this community in the US. So, but I think it's good that people are speaking out.
0: Yeah. I
1: think it's good good for the sport that you, you talk about it. And and maybe you're a little more diligent to see what's, what's going on around you. And, I mean, ultimately, I think that our sport does a pretty good job of keeping itself clean. I think, you know, out of competition tests, yes, let's put more into the process. But, you know, there's a cost to that. And, you know, I think Ironman do a really good job. Um, unfortunately, the federations don't always keep an eye on the long-distance athletes. You know, I'm still... Uh, under drug control scrutiny, because until I officially retire, I'm in a drug <clears throat> testing pool. So that is great, and that's the thing. It's like you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, the consequences, and also they don't understand that you know, doing these small things that maybe their doctor recommended is is a no no. And right. I think if we can educate not just the elites but the age groupers, like everyone in the sport. You know, what does it mean to race clean? You know, we've got to keep pushing that message and and keeping people on top of the fact that triathlon, we want you to race on your ability, not some enhanced ability that's illegal.
0: I, I agree completely. And I, I think a lot of the comeback of the pros, both male and female, and a lot of them came out public with it, Aqui I think a lot of that is part of some great self therapy because they know that, well gosh, am I going to be under a microscope now because if I have a fantastic race and I beat everybody by eight minutes, are they gonna look at me and you know it, so there's a lot of pressure there on them, but I think them speaking out was was really a a good piece of self-therapy whether they thought about that or not so i I thought it was very good your, no, your athletic good. career. Yeah. It, it, the,
1: the better it is. I think yeah. you know, people are like, well, you know, should we talk about, it? I go, yes, let's talk about it. Let's keep reminding people because, you know, it's like, it has happened in our sport. This isn't the first time somebody has tested positive and we've got to just keep reminding people the, like, you know, push clean sport, keep pushing it and pushing and pushing. It's such a, a worthy cause. And, you know, it's like, we don't want to become like the other sports that are out there. That's for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. So all the accomplishments and success you've had in your athletic career, do you now receive uh, just as much satisfaction with your with your coaching?
1: Definitely, you know I I love coaching. I mean, I didn't know I didn't think I'd be involved in coaching as much as I am. It mm-hmm. definitely started when you know people kept saying, Makili, I want to come and train with you. I want to get coached by you." and then now it's involved into a business and you know it's like yeah like uh, like you know particularly i think this year it's really exciting because i've had athletes who have been trying to qualify for kona and they've finished second or third in their age group and they haven't done it they haven't been able to get a spot because there was limited spots and and now finally we're opening the doors to to these new goals for for mm-hmm. for hundreds of women like, to me, that's, like, super exciting. I love seeing an athlete come in and they think they're here and I know they're going to get to here. And and that's what really, really inspires me because it's, like, like, recently I had a, an athlete who, like, we knew if she put a good race together that she would get a Kona slot. And she thought she'd be, like, one and done, do her Ironman and she'd be over and we're, like, All of us training with her were like, didn't say anything, but we're like, you know what? If she just has the the race that she's capable of, she's going to get her ticket to Kona. And she she did. And uh, she's like, she was like, I got to do another Ironman. We're like, yes, (laughs) the best Ironman, the one that everyone dreams of doing. And, I mean, that's the thing that, that like, really drives me. You know, I get to coach at UCSD as well in the club triathlon program. So I get kids that are, like, never done a race, can't swim, and then you see them progress. That's what I love, like, getting these athletes in and it's like, oh, my goodness, they, they'll say to me, you know, like one of my athletes that I've been coaching for probably six years you know, she said to me on the weekend, she's like, thank you, McKeely. Like I have done so much in this sport that I never, ever thought that I was capable of. So yeah, that's, that's the inspiration that I get. And like, and I think that keeps me racing as well. Like I said to one of my athletes on the weekend, I go, if you race, I'll race. So, you (laughs) know, everything's always better if you can do it with somebody else.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm excited and honored now to be on part of the same team as McKeeley Jones, the TriDot triathlon training, and you know it's yeah. interesting when I was talking to him and all the uh, everybody at TriDot. Uh, you know, I've 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 been a big part of the past of of triathlon, Makili, as you know, and but I'm all about looking forward and what what the future's all about, and you know I want to be a part of the future with TriDot training because the way they're leveraging data and the ai and 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 looking towards the future uh why'd you become part of tri dot
1: you know it's like i'm all i've always been that that athlete and now coach that's like like well what's new school you know old school Mm -hmm. is great there's a lot of great things about old school but what's What's new school? What's gonna make the biggest impact? It's like I always say, what makes the biggest impact for the least amount of investment? And that's exactly what TriDot is. It's artificial intelligence training and it's very much towards like how I feel that training should be. More is not better. <laughs> the right. right amount is 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 the best, you know? You better, you know, Paula always used to say to me, better to be undertrained than over trained. And, you know, I just love everything about Tri Dot the fact that um, it's community based. Um, they really focus on making sure that the community's engaged in the process, the training process, the racing process, um, improving your schools, like the Tri Dot pool schools. I know you were there at one of them recently, mm-hmm. like just an amazing approach to teaching adults how to swim. It's like beyond what anything I've seen, it's like the new school again. I think they're just – they're really forward-thinking people. Like they get that, you know, people are time committed, they're, but they're sort of on that time crunch. So they're trying to maximise that time availability with getting the best performance but limiting injury – and then making the skill development so much higher so then they're succeeding not by just getting faster, but then that development is also going to help them uh, be injury-free. So, yeah, just like the community, you know, because triathlon is all about community and, you know, to be on this platform and and to see how the athletes react to it. And then I love the sort of gamification too yeah, because, you know, they have a tri-dot score. So... Each workout, you got a chance to score 100%, not by going too hard or too slow, by doing exactly what you're supposed to do. So the closer you are to the prescribed zones, the higher your your score. So, you know, I love that. And then, you know, they have Racer X, which will predict what your swim, bike, and run time is going to be for the event that you chose. And, you know, I think that's, like, really, really exciting as well because, you know, it's sort of reality check too for some of these athletes. Right this is where i am now and then you know every time you're inputting in data the training program will change that race prediction once you update it will change so you can see your progression from when you start so i think there's so much in terms of motivating every single athlete um and then you know everything that like that i see on on the training side of it it's like I give them like two thumbs up. It's exactly how I usually do my training programs. So, yeah. yeah, I, You yeah. know,
0: I I, McKinley, yeah, I was exactly. talking to uh, Mark Allen, who's a part of it too, part of the coaching. And he goes, oh, my gosh, I, w- I wish I had this. <laughs> I wish I had this when I was racing.
1: Oh, I, say, I say that about <laughs> a lot of stuff. I wish I, I had the super shoes. I wish I had the better nutrition. I wish <laughs> I had the tri platform. It's like, man, I could have crushed it.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, I did go to the TriDot Pool School here in San Diego back in March, and I was so totally, and I'm not a huge swimmer, but I was totally impressed with what I was seeing in just a four-hour session that I was at, and athletes taking 12, 13 seconds off their 100 time in in one weekend. Uh, Who does that? It's the future.
1: Yeah, like, it's unbelievable, like, you know, the athletes that I've sent to pool school, I I put myself through pool school because I'm a big believer. It's like, I want to feel it, see it and like really see that impact because I think that's important. That's one thing that as a coach that I really, I tell my athletes all the time, I would, I would never give you something that I wouldn't do myself. Mm. And two, if it hasn't happened to me, it's probably never going to happen to you. So yeah, no, pool school is just like, as I said, next level, never seen anything like it. But that's sort of, you know, the way that TriDot is, it's it's setting a standard, and people better just keep up because if you're not on TriDot, then you're already behind the game.
0: Yeah, it's it's the future. It's quite a, quite amazing. I'm very impressed, uh, Makili. I've heard you talk about it a lot. Whether it's training, whether it's life, the advice you you give and have given is to keep structure and routine in your life and your training. Why? Why do you believe that's so important?
1: You know, I always say, you know, what does the real people do? <laughs> you know, it's like I've been, I've been I've been, in triathlon for so long. I'm a total tri-geek and I embrace that. And, you know, part of it is, you know, it's like you got to keep moving. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's like it's one of those things that, you know, it's like routine, it's easy once you get into the routine to maintain that routine. What's hard mm-hmm. is when you get out of that routine to come back in. And my twin sister always said, yeah, but McKeeley, your motivation, or actually your low motivation is probably somebody's motivation. But, you know, you've got to find the reason why you do stuff. You know, sometimes it's a fitness thing. Sometimes it's a health thing. Sometimes it's like I'll challenge my athletes to something, you know you know are you sure you can do that it's like i'm pretty sure you know so it's like you know finding that desire right that's the hardest thing Why, like because every morning my chip brain is like do you really want to get up while you're getting up right yeah I, like, what goes in my head goes on in most everyone else's head so how you handle that conversation is really defines what you get done in the day because you know we can blow so many things off but Ultimately, you know, it's I tell people it's like putting money in the bank. If you don't put money in the bank, you have no money. And then when you need some money, you got to have money in the bank so you can withdraw it and you know, get out of it what you need. So, you know, it's like every day is like putting money in the bank and whatever that big goal is, okay, time to cash it out.
0: I I, I agree and I'm you know, being of the age I am, I've got friends that really didn't do a whole lot in their 40s and yeah. 50s and they're finding themselves pretty beat up in their sixties and just because they can't get back to it because they had that younger time of their life when they should have. So advice yeah. to everybody, just keep, keep at it. Keep at yeah, it. Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny because like, I you know, I was at, at the U uh, S national multi-sport championships a couple of weeks ago and, and, uh, someone goes, McKeeley, they got you in the wrong age group. I'm like, no, they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I I never, right. It's it's what you do with it. You know, some days I'm feeling a little bit older. Some days I'm feeling younger and it's like, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I'm always being like taught to keep active, to keep moving. And yeah, I'm a little addicted to it for sure. But you know, it's like, I'm sort of got to, you know, check myself in a little bit because sometimes I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm just going to push it. And then I'm like, Ooh, no payback. So, yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of my athletes that I've trained with over the years, they sort of know when a big race, like a big goal that I have coming up because all of a sudden like I'll be here and then I'll just up it a little bit, turn the screws up just a little bit. But, I mean, that's my advice to a lot of people, you know. Let the fitness come to you, right? You don't always have to put your hand in the fire. It's like there's a time when you do and there's a time when you don't. And and that's another reason why, like, I love Tri Dot because it's that, aerobic training it's like Mm -hmm. you go easy and a lot of athletes don't know what easy is they really don't and I think that's sometimes the biggest difference between like a lot of professionals and amateurs it's like my easy is easy and when I need to go you know put my hand in the fire a little bit you know I put my hand in the fire as I get older I've got to just lower that standard a little bit but it'll still be there yeah you know when I need it and like yeah that's what you know I say to people all the time you know let the fitness come
0: so on Find Your Finish Line, the last question I asked all our guests, it's, uh, it's called tri-table racing. It comes out of the Baja 1000, which I have friends that race the Baja down there and their trophy trucks and everything. And afterwards, they get together and they call it table racing, where they sit around the table and BS and reminisce about the event or a, an event that happened before. So try table race with us, reminisce about something that maybe happened in an event or at an event that not a lot of us know about that comes to your memory.
1: My goodness, there's so many of them.
0: I know. <laughs>
1: but yeah. You know, I, you know, I think, I think like the, the one memory that I, I, I probably will share, actually I'm going to share two. I'm going to cheat a little bit.
0: Th- that's because
1: okay. W- when I was in third grade, my twin sister Gabby beat me in a cross country race. I didn't like how that felt, so like that. Wait, wait,
0: we're talking, we're talking third grade.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I didn't like it when Gabby beat. I was probably more of a bad sport because I'm like, I don't want Gabby to beat me. But then I also didn't want anyone to beat Gabby. So as long as we got first and second, I was. uh, That was like, like okay. But I think, like, that's you know the fun of like being a twin and being competitive. But I think, I think the 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 thing if I sit around and I was going to tell like the story, I'm going to tell a story when I got to a race and uh, my bike didn't show up and I was actually doing two races in one weekend, one in Milwaukee, one in Toronto. So I get to mm. Toronto, my bike doesn't show up and I'm like, really? And I'm a bit of a bike snob. I love my bike. It has to be my bike. It's like, you know, right. still to this day, it's like it's I, I, I get on it. It's my bike. But, you know, the people were so good in Toronto, like got me everything I needed. And then, you know, I'm just like, okay, started the race. And then as I was getting out of the water, one of my friends had built my bike up because one of the airline employees had driven my bike directly from the airport to the race site and it was actually Mark Lee's put my bike together while I was swimming and oh my goodness that was the best thing ever that I was gonna like get on my own bike and race and it was a swim bike run swim bike run and on the second swim uh they had slats on the ramp where you dove in Mm -hmm. my toe got caught as I dove still managed to finish the race with a broken toe. And then I fly into Milwaukee the next day and uh, I like knock on my sponsor's door and I'm like, there's no way I can race. They're they're like, oh, that's funny, McKeely." No, no, seriously, (laughs) I broke my toe. So I didn't get to race in Milwaukee, but the fact that, you know, all these people rallied to make sure, you know, I had my bike on the day, Like, how cool is that? Like
0: That's very cool.
1: Mark Lee's put it together. One of the uh, employees at the airline drove it all the way out. And, yes, I got to win one race and the other one I got to cheer. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) I love that. Thank you for the share. Yeah, it's quite amazing when you you take a look back at her career and some of the things that happened that are, you know, minor and small, but they – create a bigger foundation in your life when you look back at them. That's probably what this did with you.
1: Yeah, because later on when, you know, the same thing happened, where something happened to my bike, it's like, <laughs> I've
0: been <laughs> through that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> McKeeley, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy with your coaching and your training and your racing and all the tri-dot stuff. So thanks again for being on Find Your Finish Line. It was an honor having you.
1: Thanks so much, Mike, and uh, love the fact that I'm one of the lucky ones, and you got to say that I was an Iron Man. so thank
0: you. Oh, oh, don't make me cry. All right, you got it. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in to another edition of Find Your Finish Line. Make sure you check out the Pillar Performance Line, Triple Magnesium. Use my code, M-I-K-E-23, at thefeed.com. You'll sleep better, you'll recover better. And if you like the podcast, give us a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or my website, MikeReilly.net. Until we meet again, everybody, train hard out there, train smart, and always be safe on the roads. Take care of yourself. Aloha.